Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Should you try to communicate with something you think is a ghost and you experience parallel lives during meditation, what are crisis apparitions? Hello and welcome to the 875th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, uh, coming, and my dad over here, Paul. Uh, we are coming to you live from WOON AM and FM radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app with Talk, and from Talkstream Live and TuneIn.com. Those far-flung questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal, uh, and dad, Paul. And today we bring you another open line show uh, with our guest co-host, as always. And if you'd like to uh, join us on the air, you can give us a call, 401-766-1240. That's from anywhere. Or email paul at behindtheparanormal.com, or you can reach out to us via various social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. This is our final open line show of 2020, and I'm sure we all agree that the final anything of 2020 is good. And it's uh, certainly great to have our favorite uh, guest co-host back with us today. Welcome back, Shane Stairway. Hey, guys. I uh, hope everyone's well out there. Well, yeah, uh, Shane, I guess uh, we're doing as good we, as we can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we uh, begin, uh, we wanted to uh, get as much support for you as possible in the situation in your family right now. And if you want to uh, tell us what's going on with your son-in-law, uh, I think we can bring in a lot of prayers and good thoughts. Yeah, so my second... Um oldest child my daughter um her husband who actually her and her husband and the three children all came down with covid 19 my daughter works in um, the medical field and i think that's where she got it but um she's she's doing well she's um she, I, I saw her at a distance uh, yesterday i dropped off some gifts but uh, she's doing well the kids are asymptomatic um her husband took a, a turn for the worse and he's he's in icu um not doing so good, but he's he. They put him on a BiPAP, and he's he's kind of leveled off, so he he stopped declining. But um, it's 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 a pretty rough situation for him because he's got pre-existing conditions. So it's um, you know a lot of people pulling for him, and I appreciate it. Yeah, well, well everybody in the audience will too. We're all with you, brother. Thank you. All right, so let's uh, let's dive right into our uh, stack of emails. It seems that the more open line shows we have, the more questions it generates. So. Uh, we're never going to catch up. Uh, ben, um, can we take the one from Michael from Illinois? Sure thing. Uh, never say never, Father, um, even if it does seem bleak. Uh, so Michael from Illinois writes to us uh, regarding the question about awareness of our other existences in the multiverse. Your explanation of a tree with many leaves, I thought, a very good analogy. Uh, I also believe that the concept discussed by Aldous Huxley about the brain functioning as, as somewhat of a reduced, val, uh, reduced valve of sorts might offer uh, an explanation as to why our awareness of these other existences is limited, perhaps only revealing themselves in dreams. Uh, one additional question that I have has to do with your ability to experience other existences in, in very detailed fashion while meditating. I believe that you referred to this as the good place or life. Uh, is there a particular technique or type of meditation that you use to achieve these experiences? As I've uh, practiced a mantra-based meditation technique for several years, um, most recently transcendental meditation, and have never experienced anything like uh, what you've described at all. 
Well, uh, I, I guess I'll take uh, some of this here uh, in in the uh, in due course. Um, uh, the brain acting as a reducing valve, so to speak. Uh, I never thought of that term, but I think it, it applies. We've often said that uh, experiencing the multiverse or multiverse awareness as we try to cultivate and as we experience it is uh, a matter of um, where how much we can take. I think that our species, and remember, uh, the, the dinosaurs were on Earth for um, tens of millions of years, really hundreds of millions, one form or another, and we've only been here for about maybe two million. So we are a very young species, and there's every evidence that we may have been messed with by someone or from somewhere or, or someone at some point, uh, given the fact that there are 223 genes that shouldn't be in our genome uh, shouldn't be on the, the, the genetic map, so to speak, of human beings if evolution as we understand it is correct. There has not been enough time for us to evolve to where we are. At the same time, uh, we have not evolved to the point where perhaps we could take uh, consciousness of all these lives. As a matter of fact, in our society, when people are aware of different parallel lives, if indeed that's what it is, uh, they're often adjudged to be schizophrenic, and they fill their pockets full of antipsychotic drugs, and off they go. Or in the old days, they were institutionalized because it was assumed there's just one world and one way to experience it, and if you don't do so, you're not normal. So uh, I think that uh, the the brain acting as a reducing valve in, in Michael's terms, uh, Michael's rather good term, uh, is is valid. But as far as the, the kind of meditation, I don't know. All of us are different. Uh, I've in, in the book Turning Home, I actually give meditation advice, very basic, uh, and people responded who read it saying that it helped them. But um, I learned meditation myself uh, from or, or contemplative prayer, at, to use the, the correct term, uh, from the Trappist monks at Spencer, Massachusetts, uh, many, many years ago uh, when I made a retreat there. And I'd read about it, and I had uh, not yet embraced sort of the Eastern tradition with the hesychasm that, that, it come, that comes with it. Which, and it, meditation of that, active meditation can be dangerous. You have to be spiritually ready for it. I mean, not, not that I'm some kind of, any kind of spiritual um, person. I am a spiritual person, but not uh, in that with any great accomplishments. But th- th- this is just what happens to me. Uh, it doesn't happen often. And it depends where I am. I'll be in a meditative state. And again, I, I'll have to uh, make an attempt to, to do this. And, and I hadn't wanted to write about this because I'm, it sounds like I'm doing the, the medium thing, and that's not what I'm trying to push here. Uh, it just sort of happens. Um, I'll be in a meditative state. You know, nine times out of ten, it'll just be a quiet, refreshing, um, in the kind of the presence of the divine experience, you know. I don't use mantras, and a mantra is a word uh, that that you will repeat uh, in in uh, your mind, and it will help get get your body in rhythm to be connected with what's around you in in a positive way. Hopefully, uh, it's ironic that the name Eno is used as a mantra by some <laughs> cult in California. I was told uh, because it has so many words in it: uh, one and Noah, the old spelling of Noah, the guy in the ark, and uh, all this sort of thing. So uh, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. But uh, I, I think the, the entire meditative experience is, is very personal. But, so, uh, but on, on occasion, when I'm in uh, a different lo- area that is supposed to be that, where people are bothered by something that seems like a haunting, uh, I will uh, inadvertently 
get in touch with or at least encounter or meet uh, a, an entity uh, very often. And if, if, if it's a parasite, I don't even meditate. I mean, I just, you know, after 50 years of doing this, I, I like to think that I know what parasites feel like and uh, what their characteristics are and enough to avoid them, uh, except in, in, a, in, a, in a way that, that could help the people. So I don't meditate in those situations. But very often you'll encounter very unexpected people and beings, uh, many of whom I cannot communicate with, because in my particular situation I communicate verbally, uh, and very often they don't speak English, or, or they're afraid of me because they perhaps see me through the membrane of the parallel world, if indeed that's what's happening, I believe it is, and uh, the plasma charged membrane, and they'll see me as a ghost, all right? Uh, other times, just as we would see them. Other times, they're non-human, uh, very positive uh, or neutral, uh, or, or non-verbal. You know, just the, anything and everything is out there, and you have to be very careful. So, I don't do anything particular to cultivate that. It's just sometimes it happens. I don't know how else to answer you, Michael, on that. Um, you know, the transcendental meditation. I've heard a lot. Of, I've never done it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. But uh, there are certain styles of meditation that are better for for certain people where they are in their lives at that point, where they are in their spiritual lives. Now, Ben, you've studied this too, and Shane, you'll have some thoughts as well. So, uh, Ben, what um, what say you on this? You, you, you studied that subject and approached it maybe from a different point of view than I have. Um, yeah, I, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, I've I've had I've had the the privilege of being able to um, you know take meditation classes at the uh, Providence Zen Center, so that was that was that was um, that was that was really helpful to kind of get me get me started. Yeah, on we went my, there together. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, because they offered free meditation classes every Wednesday, and it was mm. like, okay, cool, you can go and learn some Zen meditation, which is more about um, kind of forgetting the self more than anything else. Um, I believe uh, there's there's uh, th- that that kind of started me on it, and uh, my one of my mentors kind of got me more into the the sort of I guess for lack of better words the the tra- a traveling meditation, um, which kind of was more uh, I don't want to say transcendental. It doesn't really have a word. I th- I think that's that's kind of the uh, kind of the downfall of it was that there's really no way to describe it. I guess the best way to describe it would be um, so like a form of kundalini meditation, which if you don't know what that is, it's essentially like the goal is to quote-unquote leave your body, which is is not really a thing. Um, this was kind – this sort of was like I, – I, I remember um, the way that the, the Zen Buddhists would, would sit – they had a very specific way they would position themselves, and when I assumed that position with my with my former mentor, um, he was like, "Oh no, this is this is essentially a way for you to to, for lack of better words, to like leave yourself and and move around." And I was like, "Oh, really? Is that what that's for?" And he was like, "Yeah," and that's that's kind of you know what this does. And so I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, and as time went on, I found that that was very draining and not at all helpful um i ended up taking up um or at least attempting to to understand um the eastern the ancient eastern christian christian rite of hesychasm um which essentially just translates to silence um which is uh you know it's it's essentially 
you try to achieve silence in your in your innermost being because you can sort of understand things better. Uh, there are reports um, from various monks and stuff that they have you know visitations and, and all that and deal I guess with lack of you know for, with otherworldly beings, but they warn against it because it could be tricks. And yeah. one of my biggest pieces of advice for for anybody that's attempting to kind of traverse anywhere is you have to really you have to really really be careful because you know there's this this assumption in in sort of the spiritualist community that all all sort of other beings that you meet are are good and benevolent and you know that's that's just that's just not true right you know not everybody you meet on the streets going to be a nice person you know you're going to run into some jerks and that's just kind of how it is and it's the same you know with the multiverse you're going to run into people who are are jerks or you know want wish to do harm or will try to trick you and that's just kind of how it is not to say that there's there aren't benevolent things out there there definitely are but much like uh life there is a balance and you have to just be really careful and you can't accept things at face value you have to have you have to develop judgment and discernment to understand what sounds beneficial but could be not beneficial right and that's that's something you have to keep in mind and you know it's not just oh i want to learn how to meditate you know one of the biggest things that i i would suggest is just you know work on yourself first right you know you can't you can't run with a broken leg you got to you got to you know work on yourself and develop develop something there that's that's healthy and positive right okay <clears throat> Uh, now, we we'll want to get Shane in here, but in the meantime, we have a caller. Uh, and um, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. You're on WON. Yeah, good afternoon, Betty Paul. Bob here. I have a oh, question for you. How are you doing? Happy, Bob? Uh, yes, it is. Oh, okay. I have a question. First of all, I want to offer my thoughts and prayer for that gentleman's son-in-law. I'll be you know, saying a prayer for him today. I hope he will you. You know, have a speedy recovery. Thank you. Uh, now, the question I have, now, as you know, Ben and Paul, my wife passed away five years ago. In fact, yesterday would have been our 50th and went down to Virgin as he survived. My oh, question wow. is, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, we would have been back 50 years yesterday. Here's my question. Is it possible for her to communicate to me through numbers as you know, I'm blind and deaf, so I can't see or hear anything in the house if I'm by myself. Is it possible to communicate with your yeah. numbers? It, it's funny you bring that up, Bob, because um, is it uh, next week or the week after we have Dave Kane on, whose son was the uh, youngest victim in the Station Nightclub fire and has uh, communicated according to the family by the means of the number 41, or the number 941. And Dave's writing a new book on this. He wrote one book that, that our uh, our family media company published uh, some years ago. And um, it's funny. It started to affect me. I mean, I, it came out to 41. I edited it myself. It came out to 41 chapters, which was totally unintentional. And, uh, you know, I was sort of touched by that myself. So, yeah, there does seem, maybe uh, Ben and Shane have thoughts on this too, but, the universe seems to be very much built on numbers, and um, th there seems to be something like behind our lives that's mathematical, and and th and that that does seem to help us communicate 
in whatever form we are with numbers. Uh, Can you be more specific? Uh, Do you feel comfortable being more specific about what numbers and how? Sure. Uh, First of all, remember the first auction they had? That that was the Fridays. And the number 5370 came up in the lottery. Five three is the year my wife was born, and seven zero was the year we got married. And her birthday oh. constantly comes up with numbers, nine fifty three. And sometimes the fourteen did it, and it always popped up uh, uh, through lotteries or other things. But uh, when I looked at the show, they got the this show come from nineteen fifty three, but this show is nine fourteen. Those numbers always come up. Okay. It's all, um, well, to, to be, you know, a, a skeptic would say, well, you know, if you're looking for the numbers, they're going to come up. But Sh- Shane and Ben, what, what, uh, what say you on this? After you, Shane. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of this happening too, um, with, with some people that I've dealt with before, um, in similar situations. But I mean, for me, I mean, I, it hasn't been strong enough to really say one way or the other, but I know for me since 9-11, um, it seems like so many times I look at the at the clock and it's nine eleven. But how many times throughout the day do I look at the clock and I don't remember? It only stands out because of that that specific number. So like you know, I think a lot of it is if we are looking for it. But I still do think that um you know there might be a little magic to it as well. Um, I I think it's probably a little of both. Yeah, ben, I mean I. I, I wouldn't put it put it past anyone or, or anything, right? You know, math is like this this abstract concept that is so far beyond us, and it's it's um it's really a fascinating concept. And there was an analytical philosopher I used to I used to listen to a podcast he did, and he made a really interesting point, which was you know math is mysterious because we can't point to something like a Sesame Street-type number in the sky and say, that is the number one. And, you know, there's there's, no, there's nothing like that in the universe that says, okay, this is the number one, or, you know, this is the number, you know, 1953. It just is kind of this this thing that exists, and we, we understand it, and we connect with it. And, you know, the way that, that the human mind makes connections with patterns is is just it's so fascinating right we built we literally built you know whole sciences on trying to understand it you know psychology exists to understand why we form these connections and i think at the end of the day you know we ourselves can only derive significance from it you know whether we find it comforting whether it's it, it it truly truly is someone communicating with us. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past anything because there there is that sort of universal connection of of well, I guess math or numbers, right? You know, what did um, Christopher Walken say in uh, in that movie uh, that I can't remember off the top of my head where he plays an angel? He's talking to a bunch of kids. He says, "Study your math, kids. It's the key to the universe." <laughs> prophecy, um, the prophecy. Prophecy. That's what yeah. it was. And. Yeah, right. um, I mean, he's, I don't think he's wrong, right? You know, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things that's just kind of this universal truth that, that math kind of is, it's always going to be there. And it's always going, and numbers will always be that sort of mysterious thing that connects us to something we don't understand. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put it past, you know, your wife, Bob, that, that it, that it, that it, 
that it's some sort of communication, you know? I, I, again, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, and, uh, you know, in, in our point of view, there is no such thing as, as death. Uh, <clears throat> there are many, many parallel worlds, I mean, if our theories are correct, where she's just fine. And uh, there are many where the laws of physics are such that she could communicate. You know, and, and it's not a spiritual thing. It's really quite physical. But so, uh, th- that's our point of view. So I guess uh, that's probably all we can do for you <laughs> on that, Bob. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you very much for your time. Okay. All right. So uh, now, Shane, we were dealing with a question of meditation here from Michael in Illinois. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the first part of the question with the brain, the reducing valve, all that stuff, you know, you got, just got to kind of throw it out there. We talked a little bit about it last week, but, um, but well, I mean, for one thing, like if we experience it, I'm hearing myself. All right, we're good. Um, if we experience a trauma, our brain shuts off. We can't remember that experience, you know. Um, but also in the case where these these strange disappearances, where these people's footprints literally just stop in the middle of the snow or sand and these people just go missing and then they end up halfway across or completely across the united states or even in other countries you know um and with no recollection of what happened wearing different clothes um you know things like that um so there's and some of the i don't think these there's a difference between those experiences and like the amnesia cases you know there's a clear difference um whereas because that person didn't just lose their memory, they just disappeared. Like their footprints just stopped. So there's something to to all that when you know, considering the multiverse and and um, you know portals or whatever we want to call them. And then as far as like the since you guys described other forms of meditation, what I do if I'm in a situation, um, there's sometimes where I won't use those techniques, um, but then when I feel I need to and I can benefit from from um, doing a type of meditation. What I've always done is if I'm in a location and I need more knowledge, I need more information, I will envision, like I shut everything off, I envision that I grow roots from my body into the ground and the roots go up into everything around me, all the trees, people, everything. And if I can keep it that way, silence my mind and keep that going and then envision water running through those roots back up into me, I end up getting a lot of uh, information I wouldn't otherwise had, um, and and actually Bruce Lee uses a similar he used a similar technique um, in his training, but but that's something that I never was taught. It's just something that I've always done, and it works very well when I need to use it. Okay, that um, we we all used to, I, I use the white light technique that I learned from of all people uh, Ed Warren. Uh, and it's one of the few things they taught me that I still use, actually. Uh, but in any case, uh, that's uh, for protection as well. Uh, but uh, Michael brings up, that before we leave the, the point here, uh, the, the the good world, as as we call it, and it's the last chapter of, uh, <clears throat> it's actually the epilogue to our 2016 book, Ben and I wrote together, uh, uh, Behind the Paranormal, uh, Everything You Know is Wrong. And that, was uh, a, a, a parallel world, I believe, unless I'm totally bonkers here, uh, that we uh, encountered in, I encountered in meditation, sometimes in dreams, sometimes in waking life. And Ben, I know with the dreams, would sometimes um, share the dream. We'd have similar or the same dreams. Like we'd get up in the morning and, and I'd start the, the, the dream and he'd finish it. That, that sort of thing it was really amazing. And um, one of the things with with the this good world as we call it is that it's uh, it's not heaven 
it's just a place where we seem to be uh, fit in better as a species. I mean, people work. Uh, you know, it's not some kind of spiritual paradise, I said, but, but it's beautiful. Uh, so so that, I don't know. I mean, that's possibly touching on parallel worlds uh, or, you know, through meditation and other means as well. So uh, as a matter of fact, uh, nine years ago, uh, we were on Coast to Coast AM uh, with, uh, it was George Nury, wasn't it, that time, Ben? And, uh, I believe so, yeah. We we debated whether we should tell go go public with with this idea this good world because people were you know we sort of had a reputation for uh, being a feet on the ground but we decided to go for it figuring the whole country would be laughing at us well we ended up uh, talking to George about this and George said I've never heard you this far out before that's a quote and um, within the next week we received. Over 3,000 emails, two of them were derogatory about this idea. Others w- w- would say, well, I've been there too, or I, I, the, this particular, they would describe a meeting or, or, or a place that we had never said anything about, and I recognized it, at least and sometimes both of us did. So, so there was apparently something to that, but uh, on that um, no, there's a question I really want to get to here because I'm looking forward to it, but we better take our bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our special guest co-host Shane Searway for Open Lines today on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Stick with us. We'll be right back. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Welcome back. It's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM. In uh, keeping one socket and the world weird since 2008. So let's get to our, our question from uh, Peter in Bogota, Colombia. Peter, very faithful listener and very good questioner. So, uh, Ben, if you want to take uh, take that first uh, one here. I, I think a couple of these, uh, his tongue was thrust into his cheek. But go ahead, Ben. Probably, yes. Um uh, okay, yeah, I guess we'll just take them one at a time. Um, so you mentioned you, or Peter writes to us, uh, you mentioned using a joke book, uh, to get rid of a parasitic entity in a past case. What inspired you to do that? Okay, well, it's a very strange story. New Haven, Connecticut, 1979. Unlike Ed Warren, a couple of years before, I did not call in the press, and uh, so this case was not well known. I just, uh, by the end of the 70s, I realized that these were parasitical entities, not demons in any in the classical sense or the theological sense of the term. And uh, I realized that uh, when you have negative energy, negative things going on, people messing around, that brings the dinner bell for these things. And when you bring in positive energy and, and love and faith and good things, then it cut off the food supply. That was as simple as it seemed to be. So I decided to try this. Now, I would have done this in any any garden variety parasite case, but at this point, the, uh, in this particular case, th- there were six of these things, and they had pretty much run the course 
of what they were going to do with that period in uh, the 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 attack. Okay, in other words, uh, they had there was a lot of physical activity going on. There was damage, physical damage to the apartment. Uh, there were all sorts of bizarre smells and sounds and, and this sort of thing, and uh, they had. I just got the feeling they were they were kind of worn out. I figured maybe the um, uh, would do them in if we if we would just try something really positive. A humor uh, can be very very powerful unifying force. Everybody loves to laugh. You know, people it, it, they say laughter is the best medicine. Uh, Patch Adams and the whole business. It just is is one of the most powerful positive things you can do is laugh together. Not at each other, that's the thing, but, but something that, that's really positive. So that, that's what inspired me to do that. Okay, we're gonna, shall we move on to the other questions? Yeah. Um, what joke well, did you... Well, unless somebody else has some thoughts on that. Uh, I, I don't, Shane. Yeah, Sh- Shane, you, you, uh, you know, yeah, you know all about this. I'll have some thoughts on the, on this entire topic, but, um, we'll let you go through since it's kind of directed towards you, and then um, then I'll, I can put my two cents in. That's okay. fair. Um, so the uh, <laughs> all right, let's. I guess we'll 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 just hop into them one at a time. What joke book did you use? You know, no one has ever asked me that before, and I have it right here, the very book that I used, and uh, it's always been in my library. It's published in 1960. That's how, how old it is. And it's inside Brother Juniper. Now, I don't know if anybody remembers the Brother Juniper cartoons. They were in some newspapers, but, but the, the, the cartoonist was a priest, Father Justin McCarthy. And maybe it's because uh, I had recently been in the seminary, uh, and, and my, the, the colleague, the former classmate who, who's now a priest, who called me into this case, uh, was um, uh, had been a classmate of mine in the seminary. I just th- These are just little one-liners with, um, you know, cartoons and this sort of thing. Um, Can you read us and, an example? And, yeah, okay. Um, okay, here's uh, Brother Juniper is standing. Uh, and I, and I, I apologize for people who are not looking at the video here. Um, if you don't want, he's talking to an old lady. If you don't want to be helped across the street, ma'am, I advise you to start running. All right, and the picture is fun. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, and then Brother Juniper, he's this little monk, and he's looking at a flower catalog. Funny, you don't look a bit like your pictures, because the flowers are all wilting. You know, it's simple stuff like that, but we, we just got laughing and going. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not making fun of anyone. It's not, you know, sexual or bathroom humor. It's just nice and positive. And it just, um, we had a great time with this little book in 1979. And, um, so th- that that's the book I used, and again, uh, thank you, Peter. Nobody's ever asked me. It's always been in my library, along uh, not too far away from the, the prayer book I used in the Bridgeport case, and uh, a few years before that. Coincidence? I think not. Um, so Peter goes on to say, uh, "Yeah, I'll just lump these three in because it's all kind of along the same thing." Uh, yeah. Did some joke books uh, not work, um, and how did? How did you know they were having uh, any effect? Were there shrieks of pain? <laughs> well, again, I think his uh, tongue is thrust into his cheek here, but no, no. Uh, again, it had pretty much uh, carried itself out, but but there were there were the presences were still there. Uh, actually, they all uh, all the uh, parasites started to laugh and yuck. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, 
they they were uh, all I know is that, that after we did this, it was peaceful. They were never seen or heard from again. That's all I know, and I, and I attribute it to the positive energy. Um, that's how I know it had had some effect. And and again, I say this a hundred times that you know I would not recommend this as a normal approach to a parasite case. But in this in this particular situation, uh, we did use it and and it did work. And I, I didn't go through any. I just grabbed this one uh, on on my my um, trip down to the house. Uh, and uh, when I get this idea, and we we just. Uh, you know, again, uh, and I stayed in touch with the, with, the, with the, it was a mother and a daughter, and I stayed in touch with them for months, and everything was fine. So th- that's about all I can say about that, but it was a uh, dear old uh, little brother, Juniper, whom um, many people may never have heard of. Mm. So, so, so shall, shall we keep going? Uh, yes. yes. So what? Uh, oh, no, actually, Shane, uh, do you have any thoughts on, on that, uh, use of humor, perhaps? Well, there's two uh, more questions, technically. Oh, there yeah. are more. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, there yes. are. Yes. Uh, hey. What was the joke that delivered the coup de gras? Well, I don't know. We just we, <laughs> we just went through pretty much the book, and you know, I'd read the line and show the picture, and everybody would yuck it up. Uh, and finally, would playing the record, uh, the the record album, Ernest Borgnine singing the Nine Days of Christmas in true high fidelity, have had the same effect? Well, um, I have never heard Ernest Borgnine singing that, and I don't think I want to, um, but I, I, I just don't have any, uh, any answer to that. I mean, you could, I suppose, try anything. But, but again, it, it's, it's the introduction of positive energy to cut off the negative energy. So whether Ernest Borgnine could have helped, uh, I know not. Mm. If he made Merlin shop of mystical wonders, I doubt that he could have. Well, perhaps. Uh, Shane, what do you say? Yeah, so back when I first started doing this work and, you know, reaching out and helping people, which was a very long time ago, um, I've always had, like, a very thirsty mechanical aptitude, so I don't take things at face value. You know, you tell me this is the way something is, I need to understand every single layer and how we got there, you know, um, how all the work and moving parts. So um, when I approached the work, it was to put down a process to identify trends, and, you know, for instance, why do priests help some people, but a lot of times it doesn't work? You know, why does it work for a little short period of time and then it comes back worse? Um, you know, why do other techniques work sometimes and sometimes they don't? So there there had been a reason for that. So what are they missing? And um, they're missing the fact that they're actually not manipulating the true mechanics. So they're fighting the paranormal with the paranormal. So they're, you know, to, to try to get rid of it when really they're not affecting the true um, components, what what attracted it and what what allowed it. So, and then the next step was to look at the type of people that are being affected by these parasites to identify what's common with with those people. And what I found was they were all in some kind of vulnerable emotional state of being. So they became targets of these parasites because they need you at a lowered emotional state of being. Um, that's what attracts them to you, um, connects them to you, and so we need need to. Um, manipulate that we need to change that so like the the joke book would help elevate our emotional state of being bring us into a better place it breaks the internal dialogue you start thinking about something else you're thinking of humor now you're not thinking of you know what's going wrong in your life because a lot of these people it, it all started off with something life altering something that really affected them emotionally and put them in a lower place so we need to change the you know the, the internal dialogue because it kind of breaks, it changes the frequency, it breaks the connection with these entities. And so um, a lot of times 
when if a priest does go in or another type of um, you know tactic like that, if it has a positive effect, if that process has a positive effect on the afflicted and it helps them, to, if they can sustain that, then the th- the entity goes away, and never comes back. But a lot of times, it, it, if they have a, a faith in that process and it's only momentarily, um, so. Th- it, and it'll help for a little while, but it, they revert. They they go back to their old ways of thinking, um, that lowered emotional state, and the entity comes back, and it usually comes back worse. So the the way I get rid of these things is basically educate the person, help them through their issue, help them spiritually, you know, mentally, and then with knowledge to help them stay there um, to sustain that you know higher emotional state of being, so this entity cannot come back. There was nothing for it. So it won't ever come back. So, um, you know, that's why, you know, uh, that book, I mean, that's, that's a good way. Um, and, you know, I usually, I, I would use certain different techniques. I would, to get people to change their way of thinking. And, and to, so I wasn't using those terms. I was just using like mechanics and all this other stuff. I would use other techniques like, like the book, you know, um, but other things. And, but usually, um, I think, the way I've done it, I've got it down so well now. Um, I just I can I can help people over the phone, and boom, they never have the problem again. And well, so yeah. it's just a matter of how I explain it to them. Yeah. Well, every case is different. Every victim is different, and, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Yep. Um, we have a uh, an email here from Phil, a uh, Phil in Connecticut, who was one of our show reporters in the uh, the infamous uh, Litchfield Triangle, and um, wanted to, to kind of get to this. Uh, you fellows don't have it, but. Um, Ben mentioned his weird car accident where he hit the guardrail and somehow just found himself back on the road unharmed. Uh, Both you and Ben, uh, something had misgivings about him driving to Massachusetts on that bad weather day. Uh, Do you or Ben think he may have slipped into an alternate reality by surviving? And if so, are we all part of that alternate reality in which he thankfully lived, and therefore there's (laughs) another reality in which he translated uh, this all makes my head hurt. <laughs> I don't think I'm nearly as important uh, as as you make me out to be, Phil. I appreciate that, though. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I I couldn't tell you. You know, it's. Um, I think. I, I think we kind of are are sort of our sort of consciousness. I'm trying to think of how to put this. I think it takes the path of least resistance. And, you know, it's not just me. It happens with everyone, right? And, and and all of us all together, it's kind of one of those things where we... I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. I, I know that, that some, something weird happened that day. What had happened, I have no idea. I, I, I will clarify... Um, I did not hit the guardrail. Uh, the the infamous the infamous local highway I was talking about. There was a spot which they have since redone um, at the bottom of a hill where you know the 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 road didn't pitch. It um, you know if you if you happen to be going fast enough, you could hydroplane very easily. And there's usually at least a handful of deaths every year on that road. And um, for for whatever reason, I remember I remember starting to slip and hydroplane and losing control of my car, and then I blinked and I was back on the road, and and nothing nothing changed. It was fine, and you know 
don't remember anything else, but I do remember that. And I remember, um, you know, my, my car was very unsafe to drive, um, told me by many mechanics. And I did it anyway because, you know, your first car, in my opinion, should always be terrible uh, because it teaches you hum- humility. So I just wanted to clarify. I didn't hit a guardrail, nothing like that. I just started a hydroplane, and then uh, I blinked, and I was fine. And, you know, it was uh, – but I, I had this very distinct sensation like, wow, I think I died. And, you know, moved, and sort of just shifted and moved. And, you know, I I, I think that I, – I, I'm not entirely sure it put me in a parallel world. I think it just moved me to a world, you know, that kind of progressed and move and moved forward, and you know, and thus, you know, we translate into a new existence every, and every time, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of move, moving in, moving in flow with the community. I sound like I'm rambling. I'm having a very hard time putting this together because I haven't really. This is going to sound really weird, but I've never really processed it or really gave it a lot of thought. Because I didn't think it was practical to give it a ton of thought. I just kind of said, oh, okay, that happened and moved on. And, you know, whether it created a parallel timeline or the timeline probably already existed more likely, except it's not a timeline because time doesn't exist. It, it's, you know, I I don't want to take the blame for 2020 being so terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the, at the same time, you know, if that argument were true, then anyone who's ever passed away at any point in time or done anything terrible arguably has the same effect. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, you can think about it all you want and, and you know, try to draw lines and whatever. But at the end of the day, um, as a very wise man once told me, is it profitable to do so? Um, and in my opinion, it's not because I'm here now. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, I think, and we all are, I think, and doing the best we can, and that's all we can really do. Yeah, well put, Ben. Shane, thoughts? Um, no, no, no. That was pretty, pretty. That question was for for Ben, but you know, I've had I've had similar things that I just can't explain. Um, not to that degree, but. Um, you know, where I, his, like, with him, he just blinked and he was back on the road. But I've had things where um, I was in the middle of getting injured really bad and something happened that kind of saved me that I can't explain. Um, but uh, a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Ben was was very astute in saying that uh, in so many words that these things uh, often defy analysis. They're just experiences. You know, and uh, so... Again, maybe undiscovered science, but I think it's uh, sometimes you just have to savor the experience. You know, and I think it happens all the time. Uh, I had kind of a one, kind of one yesterday, almost a Mandela effect sort of thing. Uh, and, and I was uh, there's there's a, a meteorology is a hobby of mine that might surprise some people, but uh, living in New England, maybe not. Uh, there's a book that I, I often will consult. And on the cover is this this graphic of just a, an old uh, weather station with a bunch of stuff hanging on the wall. There was a uh, black illustration uh, with a white snowflake attached to the wall in this picture that I had not been there before. And uh, I, I think this is a, a normal condition of, of the planet and, and our lives. I mean, we're 
constantly uh, moving through different parallel worlds. Things are a little different here and there. Or maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. But, I mean, I swear that that wasn't there. But, anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think we have time maybe for one more question, Ben. We do. And uh, we can either take the one that, that takes off from this point, um, which is about the Mandela effect, or we can deal with crisis oh. apparitions. Pick one. Okay. Uh, well, how about we haven't talked too much about ghosts, crisis apparitions. Yeah, let's uh, sure that thing. One. Uh, so this is from uh, Brian in uh, Indiana. I I would say the town, but I don't think I can pronounce it correctly because I'll probably say it with a French accent. Um, portage. I have portage. Oh, I would have said portage. Um, well, that's because you're so you're so sophisticated. I'm really not. I don't think I should have passed French. Anyway, um, I have a question about crisis ghosts uh, or crisis apparitions. I was visited by the ghost of my father who was tragically killed. Uh, He appeared in my apartment about a month after his death. I could see his form clearly, uh, and it was in broad daylight. Uh, I would really like to know more about what this meant. Uh, is this the only, or this is the only time this has happened, and it only lasted for about eight to ten seconds? Shane, I want to throw that right in your lap. Yeah, well, I'll refer to the Apple Orchard case, um, where this this gentleman in Connecticut um, worked. He was a young young man, and the the family kind of took him under his under their wing, and he came from a troubled home or whatever, and. Um, he felt like he had purpose there, and anyways, uh, he got into some trouble and he committed suicide. And shortly after that, um, people would come in to pick apples. They'd be, they'd hear this voice screaming at him, "Get out of here!" You know, leave. And then other people would hear voices talking to him in the in the in the store and everything. And I think Paul and I both agree that it's not him; it's a parasite that is capitalizing on this this tragic event. And, and and he may have already had that parasite attached to him prior to him committing suicide. Um, it, it could have been already connected to him. And then him committing suicide on the property, everyone assumed that this, this voice that they're hearing now is, is, is him, um, which really is usually the uh, a parasitic entity capitalizing um, and feeding off of that tragic event. And like I said, could have been attached to him. To begin with, and I see this a lot with um, people that tragic events where people are, are, are killed and, and it affects people emotionally. They'll see those people there, but then it changes once they start talking to it. Dad, you know, um, Uncle Joe, next thing you know, it's not Dad or Uncle Joe anymore. It's something very, very nasty. But And I will say I have had interaction with something that was um, – what it appeared to be, um, that the person that it appeared to be, where I was given information by this person, um, that's happened before. That it wasn't a parasite, um, but most of these cases that we deal with, it, 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 described like you're describing it, it's usually not that person. It's usually a parasite. Yeah, I remember that fine case. All three of us were involved in that. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> to get back to Brian's uh, question here, uh, in, in another point of view, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, the crisis apparition is a well-known phenomenon, and usually it's someone is in, is in dire straits, you know, somewhere else, you know, far away maybe, and uh, you see them uh, at the moment when they're having their accident or whatever has happened. Uh, we had um, the case in, uh, I don't know if you ever got involved in this case, but this is in 1998, uh, and Ben ended up involved in it when he got old enough. Uh, in Burrowville, Rhode Island, right in our listening area, and there was a <clears throat> a um, 
a, a woman who had been a parasite victim, uh, but had all had a lot of terrible events during her life. She had found the the the, the body of of a friend who had died, uh, that sort of thing, and her she had a, a crisis apparition or just an apparition of her grandmother, who uh, appeared and just said she wanted the the girl to know that she was okay, and uh, she translated uh, I guess a couple of months before this. And uh, the girl was afraid. I, I, this is the first time I've ever heard this. She said, "I don't want any more ghosts," you know. And it was, you know, just her grandmother, you know, assuring her. At least that's what it, it appeared to be. I mean, I didn't see it myself. So uh, I think that uh, you have to be very, as, as Shane says, very discerning uh, to see what this is. But uh, I've had people swear to me it was not a parasite. I know that I knew this person. I loved this person. This is who it was. And that's explained very easily by our multiverse ideas, you know, if those are correct ideas, that uh, there are many, many worlds in which your loved one, or whoever it may have been, uh, is still going on in a parallel life and ne- never never translated, never died. And uh, <clears throat> these worlds can intersect in a number of places and wash over one another. Uh, hence, maybe the uh, Mandela effect that we that we see sometimes, where things are just a little bit different uh, in in the, that part of the world family. We we have a number of at least the way we put it, a number of worlds uh, we are traversing, and they're all parallel but very close in their physical laws and in their makeup and in, the, in their residence, uh, as opposed to some world that's totally alien that might be farther away and harder to access, so to speak. So I think um, it's very possible that this was a legitimate experience. If you feel that it was, uh, and you did not feel any trepidation about it, you did not feel uncomfortable with it, then uh, I would say probably probably was. And it hasn't happened again, so it's probably just. Uh, uh, I would ask though, uh, did the the person in the apparition seem aware of you or not? Very, you know, very often you'll have a, a, a parallel world intersect point where. You can see them, but they can't see you, uh, or, or hear you, or whatever. You know, so uh, can I clear? Yeah, yeah. I just want to clarify my point too. So, yeah, I, I mean, I do believe that people see loved ones after they've passed. But uh, what I meant to really, I, I guess, I wasn't clear in the way I described it. But what happens is people kind of get obsessed with the idea and they start talking to it all the time to that yeah. to that level. Oh, yeah. And that draws in a parasite. So um, be, be comforted by the by the experience, um, but you know, take it as it comes. Don't obsess about it because that kind of gets you in trouble. Yeah, uh, Ben. Um, I think it's interesting that this was the one and only time that the apparition actually happened, and that kind of leads me to believe: okay, it's not a parasite um, because it, unless it evolved into something else that we just don't know about, I, I think there's not enough pieces of the puzzle to kind of put together a definitive explanation. But I do think it's interesting that it's only been one time and it wasn't immediately after. So you can't, you know, say anything about it like, Oh, well maybe it's just kind of like a trauma thing, but there, or maybe it is. I don't know. I think, mm. I think it, it, it might just be, you know, Seeing your your father in a parallel world, just kind of still kicking, doing around, doing his thing, you know, walking around. Um, unless there's other stuff going on, in you know, like you know, your China being thrown around your apartment or something like that. I I, w- I would say, you know, just just take the experience for what it is, right? You know, you saw maybe into a parallel world, and, or you know, and you just kind of go from there. Because I, I think everything else that could be said about it, you guys already said. 
Yeah, okay. All right, well, I think that's about all we have time for. Uh, I will put the picture of, of this, for those who are not watching the video, I'll, I'll put the picture of this book, uh, the little Brother Juniper book, uh, on uh, the t- a Talking Points page for this show uh, within the next few hours so that you can at least get a get a kick out of uh, looking at it. Again, it's an old book, 1960. So let's take away our announcements, Ben. Sure thing. So with Dimming Prospects, because of COVID, uh, we plan to speak at the New England Parafest on April 10th and 11th in 2021 in Kettery, Maine, and hope to uh, do a live show, uh, or a live broadcast, I should say, of this show with the panel of speakers on Sunday the 11th. Uh, more information will be forthcoming. And uh, all three of us are working on a book with uh, our good friend Alexander Petikoff uh, that will be out later next year. <clears throat> Behind the Paranormal 3, Uneasy Skies, based on our own UFO experiences and those of our show guests over the years. Uh, you can check out our current books along with those of our other co-hosts at the show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, uh, where you can also find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, uh, and how to book us along with some of our 900-plus free recorded shows uh, from our 12 plus years on the air including our four and a half year run on cbs radio along with special shows and podcasts uh we're slowly reloading recorded shows into the archives at behindtheparanormal.com after a series of technical issues uh suddenly appeared to have been straightened out after two and a half years uh past shows back to late 2009 are uh, available already on major podcast platforms and apps including youtube iTunes, Apple Podcasts, the Paranormal Radio app, and TalkStream Live, and more. Uh, soon we plan to have all the shows back in 2008 uploaded to these apps and to our website, So, and they're all free, so uh, have at it. Uh, there are links to several charities we've adopted on the show, including USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, along with the Milk Fund here in northern Rhode Island. Shane, what's cooking with you? Well, not much. I get that same pair of fest there in April, speaking with you guys, and and um, also um, I'm, I'm I'll be having that Rumble uh, Rumble.com channel coming up soon. It's going to be a whole new podcast. I'll even be doing live stuff, um, and then also I just want to reiterate um, any positive thoughts for my daughter's um, husband, who I forgot to mention his name is his name is Andrew Griner. Uh, would be much appreciated. Absolutely. What's next week, Ben? So next week we have uh, Explaining UFOs to Children with Philip Mantle. Uh, UFOs and all sorts of subjects that have even been in the mainstream news, and we can't forget the phenomena, can scare children. So we'll be talking about how to explain extraterrestrials to your youngins. Yeah, and also um, if they think they're being abducted, that's even scarier. So we'll we'll talk about that. Mm. So we'll uh, leave you today with a quote from Person or Persons Unknown. Your best teacher is your last mistake. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Serway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.